This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. She is um, definitely someone that you know. My mom over the Christmas, uh, the what is this, the Thanksgiving holiday? <laughs> uh-huh. So I brought my book with me, and she was like, oh, can I have that? And I was like, I'm not finished reading it. She was like, that's okay. Can I? I was like, no, I will <laughs> mail you a copy. But no, you can't. I love her. Can I just? No, I will mail you a copy. The book is hot. Thank you. The work that you do out in them streets, we appreciate it. You've seen her on MSNBC, NBC, of course. Move on. Let me welcome to the show for the very first time, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Thank you. The You're hottest welcome. show in the universe no, the right galaxy. here. The galaxy. The galaxy. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Well, Thank you, Karen, for having me well, on. thanks for being here. Yeah. Yes, it's been a long time coming. I'm but a huge you have... fan. Huge fan. Oh. Okay, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Your book. Let's talk about it. Let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, because I, I started, well, let's, let's, it's called Moving Forward. Yeah. A story of hope, hard work, and promise of America. And you tell your story mm-hmm. of, you know, being a Haitian American and, and, you know, growing up in Queens and your yeah. dad is a taxi driver. You know I mean, yeah. the whole thing running track. I got all of this, <laughs> you know, the MCATs. I'm like, oh, no, she could be a doctor. No, went through the whole story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's deeper than that. And yeah. we're in a particular time. So let's start off talking about impeachment. I just I just want to just go right there mm-hmm. um, because this wasn't the America that your parents came to. And it's not the America that a lot of people in this country have come here to experience and to raise children and to be a part of something really powerful and great. Tell me about that, the juxtaposition of what was the hope and what we are experiencing now. Yeah, as we know, America has a very complicated history, right? That's the kind of the most honest way to to start that conversation. And my parents, they were born in Haiti and they grew up in a dictatorship, um, not having able to have any rights. And so when they got married and decided, looked at their future, they thought they got to get out of here. They can't, they cannot stay in a place where um, they didn't see a future for their family. So they had heard America has, you know, come and get the American dream. You can have a job. You can, you know, um, uh, have a future. And so it took a couple of, a couple of tries. It went to Martinique where I was born, then to France and then came to the U.S., and here's, I mean, here's the reality. Yes, they came for the American dream, but that American dream is so elusive, right? It's very, very hard to accomplish. As you said, my dad is an American, uh, I'm sorry, is a, is a New York City cab driver. My mom is a home health care aide, and they still live check to check. But the pride that they have in having an opportunity to raise their children in a place where they work really hard, two, th- two three j- jobs, you know, and six, seven days a week, uh, and I ended up in the White House. I ended up having a success. I am their American dream, and so um, and so that's the 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 one of the reasons why I wrote the story because there's in the last three years there's been this awful rhetoric around immigrants and this anti-immigrant sentiment that's coming from 1600 Pennsylvania, the occupant of the White House. And the thing is, people really come here to just get a better life. They are the fabric of this country. Uh, they are they are just trying to get by like everybody else, and so I in telling the story and writing the book, I wanted to lay that out and and also like I said my parents came from Haiti. There was that ugliness that he said about Haiti being an asshole country as well as African nations, basically all brown and black countries. He only wants people from Norway, which is and more Russia. than and Russia, which is more than ninety five percent white, and that's what he wants. And so you think about the last three years. You think about who has 
uh, a mark on their back. And it's anybody who is not white, male, rich, and straight. If you are not that, you have a mark on your back. And it is scary times for people like my parents, for people who are black, brown immigrants. And so um, that's kind of one of the really important pieces, kind of the ingredient of the book. But then I thought I also talk about what do we need to do to get out of this? Like, what is the call to urgency? And it is going to be incredibly important in 2020 for all of us to get involved. Are you optimistic? We um, this week, um, Kamala Senator Kamala Harris dropped out. There's uh, another, you know, Bloomberg is in. Yeah. You know, there are still, to me, far too many people and not enough energy or excitement around any of them. Um, More video coming out, Joe Biden saying weird things. Pete Buttigieg Mm -hmm. just doing an apology tour or trying to please black people. Mm -hmm. I like you tour. Um, But there's not one candidate that was like the candidate that you came into the White House under, which is a Barack Obama, who people now are, you know, kind of relitigating his his administration or his 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 uh, eight years in office mm-hmm. but he did give us a sense of hope yeah. and pride and uh, understanding of America there was a, a humanity about his administration that we all could be proud of and you know even looking back over that I went to vote mm-hmm. for someone yep for the hope for the ideal yeah. what do you see right now so yeah, Barack Obama created a movement. He made us all feel like we can take we can take the country to the next level, right? There was always this talk about, oh, we're post racism, you know, era, which was never ever true as we learned. <laughs> but there was that hope and, and feeling of like we can take it to the next level. Look, I'm really worried. Look, you could like or dislike Kamala Harris, whatever it is you have feelings of her. She was part of that 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 first tier that top tier an african-american woman who really had a chance of getting that nomination now we're going to go into a debate stage where there's not going to be a person of color we've lost that cory booker will be there right no mm-hmm. cory booker's no. not gonna be he has not qualified julian castro has not qualified he hasn't qualified didn't qualify for the last, the last one. time yeah. and and cory booker did not qualify. so we're gonna have six people on stage thus far six people not one person of color we started off with the most diverse primary that we've had in our kind of democratic primary history and that is problematic when you look at the diversity of the democratic base when you look at african-american women black women being kind of the foundation one of the main constituency of that base that's problematic and so that concerns me um to to a big degree and i and the party has to figure this out because do you think they will i mean you were inside you were inside yeah right? and you kind of you saw an administration work that many of us probably don't understand how it yeah. was how they were able to pull it off yeah. but yeah. they yeah. did and yeah. it worked it worked it worked yeah um the, the missteps of a kamala harris's yeah. campaign and and the the non-traction that Cory Booker has and Julian yeah. Castro, which yeah. is surprising, you know, yeah. another person yeah. that came out of the Obama administration. You're like, what is it going to take? What advice would you have? Have they called you to get advice, Corinne Jean Pierre? <laughs> I've gotten some calls. I think I think this is a weird moment in time that we're in, because of Donald Trump. The game has changed a bit. It's not we're not living in these the normal times. 
I think you have people who are looking up and looking at the options and are thinking, I just want to beat him. How can we beat him? And that's what you see. You see Biden, who has gotten a lot of the African-American support. That is really upholding his numbers. A lot of it is older black people who are thinking, okay, I want to be safe. I want to be pragmatic. We know him. We trust him. He's been around for a long time. Right. He Obama's took care of corn two. pop. He told right. <laughs> Next story. That story is wild um, and true. Wild but true. Um, and uh, and so people want to feel safe. They're not looking to take a chance. Yeah. They don't want to step out and and be historical. They're not looking for that. They're like this guy right here at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania. We need to get him out. And how do we do that? And that's unfortunate. Because I think the problem is, and I like Biden, I love Biden, I, I got to travel with him and work, with, work closely with him in the White House, I know him well, but I think that the thing that we need to remember is come November, come 2020, we're going to need a movement to beat Donald Trump. We're going to need people who never voted for, for before to come out. We're going to need young people. We're going to need a black community. Like We need to bring that coalition back and, and rearing. And so who is going to be able to do that? And that is my fear right now. That's my concern. Who? Who? Answers. Anyone? No one? I, Listen, uh. in the beginning, I thought, I thought it was Harris. When was the last time you whitened your teeth? I had to go to the dentist because I drink about three cups of tea a day and my teeth can get really stained really quickly. And if that's you with the holidays coming up and all of these smiling pictures that you're going to be in, you want to get your teeth the whitest as possible. And now you can do it without going to the dentist. You can go to buypowerswabs.com and use my code HUNTER. Listen, this year... The teeth can be whitened, and you've never whitened your teeth until you whiten them with power swabs. They're clinically proven to whiten an average of two shades in the first five minutes. I'm talking five minutes, and power swabs will never leave your teeth and gums sore or sensitive like the other whitening treatments, and they're totally safe and effective on all dental work. And if you're not happy, power swabs are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So go try power swabs, and you'll not believe how much whiter your teeth will be in just five minutes and I have a great deal for you when you go to buy powerswabs.com and you use my code Karen you get 40% off and an additional $10 off plus a free quick stick that's right 40% off plus $10 off plus a free quick stick at B-U-Y powerswabs.com code Karen or you can call them 800-668-1790-1749-1749 use code Karen that's 800-668-1749 use code Karen or go to B-U-Y buy powerswabs.com today I can remember being at APAC like yeah. four years ago and um, and everyone was trying to figure out who was going to go and convince her to run. Mm. I can remember that being the entire conversation at APAC. And, and that's the Jewish lobby, right? Mm. And then Congressional Black Caucus when people were talking about it. I thought if anybody could pull together the Obama coalition, it would have been her. What do you think that is... Okay, go ahead. Ask your question, Drew. Drew's been dying to ask you this question. Speaking of Kamala Harris, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Ahead, I think I may know this question. So, <laughs> listen, on the on, during the during like the move on the move on uh, summit, mm-hmm. what was going through your mind yeah. when you put your entire body between that crazy guy running yeah. up on the stage and Senator Harris? Yeah, because it was like it was like, boom! Like you got yeah. up out of your chair. What were you thinking? 
So the Big Ideas Forum back in June, um, I'm on stage with Kamala, for some of the uh, listeners who, who, who don't know, I'm on stage with Senator Kamala Harris. She's to my left. Um, my co-moderator's to my right. You have three women of color on stage. And she was, there's, there were eight presidential candidates that came on that day and were asking her a question. And we're actually talking about issues of women of color. She's actually answering a question. Here come this dude coming on stage and at the time, I was just thinking, this is not safe. Who is he? This could be very dangerous. We're living in a time where you're just thinking right. all of the, the worst She's things. She's a black She's a candidate black for candidate president. for president. We're living in a place where, you know, the president of the United States is saying divisive things, attacking black women. And I just, it was one, I wish I could explain what it was. I just saw him, he jumped on, and I went into, I just jumped and thought I had to protect her. And that's it. I can't, I don't know if it's my mother instincts or a black woman. I don't know what, maybe it's all of it. And I thought I needed to protect her. And I thought, this is danger. I thought, danger, 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 stepped in. And then he tried to grab the mic. And then I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Wow. And I And I tried to stop that as well. It was just instinct. It was pure... You know, protective. It was Queens. Queens, New York. I don't know. I don't know. New York. It was like my ancestors. I don't know what it was. It just, it just, I just stepped up and, um, and afterwards, I think people were, were worried. They were proud. They were all these emotions. And even for me, I, I was shocked because I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I could have gotten really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. it was badass, though. It was badass. Yeah. Look, yeah, it was. It was badass. It was all, it was all I, anybody was talking about that I can tell you day. this. I would do it again because I think that we need to protect each other. I heard from many women who who said that I wish women of color, black women who said, I wish somebody would have stepped in for me that way. Mm. I've been in situations where I've had my life, um, I felt my life in danger. We need to step in together, step up for, up for each other this way. And so I heard from a lot, a lot of people, you know, people quoted me, the uh, black women are the most disrespected, you know, human on this planet. I heard that from people. And I think it really triggered some emotions uh, for many women. Speaking of that, you know, we talk a lot about code switching. Um, I know Drew goes around the country talking about showing <laughs> up authentically yourself. And it's it's hard, you know, and there were a lot of articles about Kamala Harris's authenticity yeah. and whether or not yeah. she was being authentic, you know. And I'm like, they're politicians. Yeah. We're not voting for buddy of the year and somebody to hang out and have a beer with. This is and about- nobody asks if Biden is authentic. Yeah. Nobody's asking, is Pete Buttigieg really being authentic today when he's say- saying this on stage but we know that there's a different test for us there is right? there's a different there there was a gender bias and a a racial bias when it came to Kamala Harris I mean if we do not say that out loud then we're not being honest I mean this is a woman who when she announced she announced on Martin Luther King Day almost a year ago uh, she had the echoes of Shirley Chisholm in her in her video it was amazing even in her campaign slogan and 20,000 people came out for her during her kickoff and so there was an end Energy there. There was something that she was bringing that people were excited about, and um, and I think that there was a bias. There's a double standard for black women and women in general, but definitely black women, and we have to figure that out because it's not okay. We are living in 2019, going in 2020. Why couldn't we have uh, a black woman be at the top? I tier think we of could. I think if Michelle Obama were to announce she's running for president, there would be. 
No, no problem. I think it would be easier think, for her to do it. I think it would be no problem. Yeah, I think She's it would be easier. Well, she would never do she it, I don't think. She would never, ever do it. I, I wouldn't but, wish that but on her. Do you her. agree, though, that she would have... You know, like I think I look, I think that she's beloved and she would have an easier time of it. Absolutely. But I I'm afraid of what the other side would bring towards her. That that, what about Oprah? Because there were there were whispers that Oprah would run. Yeah. Oprah ran. I love bread and I want everyone. (laughs) You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. All of that. You get a nomination. You get a nomination. Could she, could she, because if the argument is, because I disagree, up until Barack Obama, no black person thought a black person could win. Absolutely. You're right. And then this man showed up. We're like, you're right. You're right. Iowa? Oh, okay. And that was it. It was Iowa. When he won Iowa, 97% white, and people are like, oh, he can do it. He can do it. And one South Carolina, and it just kind of um, snowballed from there. And nobody thought. I didn't think. And I worked for the guy. See? <laughs> so it's going to take that right one. I think Stacey Abrams would have had a great shot. I think she's a harder. So so Kamala Harris, as much as she's brilliant, which she is, powerhouse, mm. all of that, there is that thing with us. Mm. There's something about her that is just. Uh, I don't. I can't describe it, and I don't want to disparage her because I think yeah. she's an amazing human being. But it's it's hard. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say this: Look, they're very two different people. Clearly, Kamala Harris and Stacey Abrams. I think Stacey Abrams is, is she's she is she is methodical in the way she runs. Right? She does the numbers. You hear about the charts, and she really. And I think that's one of the reasons she decided not to run. Right? Because she really thought it through. Um, but I, I do have to say about Kamala Harris: she has a future. Like we're not. We haven't. The, Hopefully, we'll, he'll be impeached in the House, which what it, that's what it looks like is going to happen. There's going to be a trial in the Senate. She will, We will see her shine again. And if I'm a Democratic nominee, whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be, they're going to have to consider her seriously on that ticket or as a cabinet uh, in a cabinet position. So she's not going anywhere. Um, but they are two different people. I think they're hard to compare. Right. But in, in terms of saying black women or yeah. women in general, I just think it's the right one. I think if Elizabeth Warren ran instead of Hillary mm. in 2016, she'd be president. Mm. I Yeah. And I, th- I always everybody I th- loved Hillary until she ran for president, though. No, she, no, she they, no. Six, everyone did not love Hillary, had, and I knew that. And I thought that that was going to be a problem with her running because there's a lot of baggage that and Elizabeth Warren didn't there, have. There's 25 years People of baggage, and the right Mm-mm. the right has spent tens and tens of millions of dollars on disparaging Hillary Clinton for decades and decades. But when she was Secretary of State, her her polling was in the 60s. Like yeah. she was she was really popular until she did run, and then all of that baggage came to came to play. Nope. And because it was hard. Here's, here's why I'm shaking my head. No. All right. She ran for president against Barack Obama. Yep. She was supposed to win in the landslide. She was. Right? To the point where they were like, son, um, wait your turn. Yep. They and sure he was did. like, nope. And he beat the brakes off of her. They didn't expect that, right? Because she was a darling. She was the first lady, senator from New York, all of this stuff, right? So clearly that, that should have told you she couldn't beat a junior senator from Illinois that very few, that whose name was Barack Hussein Obama, she, I don't know. Not I, as I, as you I think, think. I think you can't dismiss the 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 lightning in a bottle factor for Barack Obama. I think that Barack Obama was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure that we have seen a, a, a politician come through and connect with people across socioeconomic lines, across age categories, across gender, the the whole nine yards. This man had. Thousands and thousands of people from other countries coming out when he would travel abroad mm-hmm. before he was even elected 
The whole world wanted America to, to, to elect Barack Obama. I just, I wonder if it's a, if it, if for Harris, if it was the woman thing or if it was the African-American or the black mm-hmm. American right. thing, well, black let's talk American about thing. That a little bit. Mm. Let's I'm talk about curious. Haitian-American. Yeah. We're in a space right now where that's even being questioned yeah. by, by black people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in this quest for reparations, which I, yes, black people deserve reparations. But in the interest of doing that, there's been a diminishing of people who are not born of enslaved people here. Are you feeling that any? Yeah, it's the it's there's some it seems to be a movement, and, and I'm of so many thoughts of that. One of it, one of the thoughts is, people are trying to divide us. They want yep. to divide us within our community, and we should not play that game. And that's the scary part. It's like, okay, you know, we got to win next year, and we are all we are all in the same horrible reference boat, right? We're all in the same place. If we go down, if one of us go down, we all gonna go down. So that's one part of it. And the thing about that too is, you know, my parents didn't end up, or my ancestors didn't end up in Haiti because they wanted to be there. They Come were on. also, you know, stolen and brought over on a ship. We just landed in Haiti, and it's almost as if we all had the same experience. In that, in that beginning of our of that awful journey that we were taken that we were taken on, and so that's the it's like it's, that's the problem. Like you got to really educate and understand your history. But you, you talk really a little bit to. about this in your book too. That there is there's a built-in chasm. You know, when you come into as an immigrant yeah. family, black immigrant family into a black community there's always this kind of ostracization there is and and you you know not fitting in you you talk about bringing lunch outsider yeah yeah. oh yeah it's like soggy i brought my soggy chick fried chicken everybody made fun of me absolutely because you're an outsider right you're an outsider but we have to figure out how to how to to stop doing that too and i don't know what the solution is because it's age old whether you know whether you're haitian or african or or, you know dominican karen i think it's learning our history I think it's learning our history and where we all come from and how we're all connected. That's how I, and I talk about this in my book, that's how I learned to be prideful of who I am because I learned the history of Haiti. I learned the history of who I am. I learned the history of this country and the black folks here. How could you not be proud and feel that connection? And I think that's one of the major, major things. And we are living in a time with misinformation. That is where we're living. Misinformation, division, and we just can't fall into that. We can't allow the other side. It's coming from the other side. Divide us. Moving forward is the book. 866-801-8255 is the number. Karine Jean-Pierre. Did, did I say that? How do you, <laughs> you say did. your name? It, it, the French version is Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine. Oh, yeah. Karine Jean-Pierre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, there's a story um, that broke my heart where you, you, you were at a, a pit of despair mm-hmm. because you couldn't I guess live up to a dream that your parents have for you. Because yeah. a lot of us are living, I say, a lot of us are living other people's lives. Absolutely. You know, you got one chance at this thing called life. When was the last time you whitened your teeth? I had to go to the dentist because I drink about three cups of tea a day and my teeth can get really stained really quickly. And if that's you with the holidays coming up and all of these smiling pictures that you're going to be in, you want to get your teeth the whitest as possible. And now you can do it without going to the dentist. You can go to buypowerswabs.com and use my code Hunter. Listen, this year... The teeth can be whitened, and you've never whitened your teeth until you whiten them with power swabs. They're clinically proven to whiten an average of two shades in the first 
five minutes. I'm talking five minutes. And power swabs will never leave your teeth and gums sore or sensitive like the other whitening treatments. And they're totally safe and effective on all dental work. And if you're not happy, power swabs are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So go try power swabs and you'll not believe how much whiter your teeth will be in just five minutes. And I have a great deal for you. When you go to buypowerswabs.com and you use my code Karen, you get 40% off and an additional $10 off plus a free quick stick. That's right. 40% off plus $10 off plus a free quick stick at buypowerswabs.com code Karen, or you can call them 800-668-1749. Use code Karen. That's 800-668-1749. Use code Karen or go to buypowerswabs.com today. How dare you spend a minute of it living somebody else's life? They had their chance or they're doing it now. But so many of us are living out the things that our parents want or our grandparents or a spouse or whatever instead of living our lives. And that broke you almost. Yeah, yeah I talk about this very in detail, very deeply in the book. So the book, I wanted the book to be raw, honest, and authentic because I thought if I'm going to write this memoir and ask people to be hopeful at the same time, I needed to be honest about my story. And I thought too, people see me on TV and they think, oh, she must have had an amazing life. And I'm like, no, I actually had some tough times uh, in my in my young life. And one of them was dealing with mental health and trying to commit suicide like that was a real thing that I tried and thank goodness I didn't succeed and a lot of it was I thought I reached a place where I was like you said I was in despair um, I was trying to live my parents dream and the community too and I think that happens in many communities you feel the pressure I was the oldest um, I was expected to like break that glass ceiling and make it. I was going to be the one that's going to take my parents out of you know poverty and everything that they were dealing with. And so when I didn't when I didn't make it, this is this story is connected to me not going to medical school. And so when I didn't make it to that to that next level of going to medical school, I thought, wow, I think I'm gonna I think I'm better. They'll be happier if I'm not here anymore because I'm such a disappointment to them. And it wasn't true. But that's what you do to yourself. And I reached a breaking point. And, um, and it was a very sad, sad time in my life. And it took a while. It took years to get out of I was going to ask you, because there are people right now, yeah, especially during the holidays. I think yeah. this is one of the toughest oh, yeah. times for a lot of people. A lot of people. That's right. What did you do to to become this person who always has a smile at, at the ready. It took it took a while. It took um you know people always ask do you do are do you resolve? Are you have you resolved all your kind of issues, the things that brought you to a to a dark place? I don't think you could ever resolve it. I think you can get to the other side of it, but I think it always lives in you. And so what is it is it that you do to make sure that you are on the other side and you don't go back to despair? And for me is um it took a, it took a couple of years. It was finally going to therapy because we got to understand in our community, mental health is not something we talk about. We don't talk about going to therapy. Uh, it is something that is looked down upon. So it took a long time to get out of that mindset. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it as well, because we just don't talk about it. And so I had to go to therapy, and then I learned to open up a little bit, because I was a very sheltered child. I was very shy. 
Uh, I didn't really talk much, very introverted. And so once I learned to like speak my truth and go to therapy and work things out, I run the things that I do that gives me an escape that is incredibly important to me. And so that's what I tell people. And it's not easy. It, it is not easy. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I got through it and I got the other side. I understand. You got to take steps, baby steps, and it takes a while. Um, but we cannot let not talk about mental health we all do and and as a community as a black community we do this thing especially black women where we take in all of the heartache all of it and then we just move on we don't deal with it like we take it on and then we move on and we live with that with that hurt um and that and that despair as we've been talking about and we have to learn to to be free of it we have to learn how to how to like not take everybody's pain on our shoulder and that's really really difficult to do and thanks for putting the resources in the book too yeah so you, she didn't yeah. just drop the story <laughs> in yeah she didn't just leave you with that yeah. she gives you some some action uh items in there as well some things that we can do which is i thought very thoughtful T- tell me what why did you decide to do this book and you know why now? Why this? Yeah. And um, so I've always wanted to write a book because I knew all the kind of up and down that I've been, the tragedy that I've had to face. And I thought, oh, maybe my story can can help somebody. And then I can. And then with um, 2020 around the corner and the last three years of this presidency, um, I thought, well, why not connect it to something hopeful and something inspirational and get people out there next year? And I just thought the timing was really good. It was supposed to come out actually in January of 2020, and the publisher wanted the, they wanted to move it up because they thought it was such an important book for people to have as we think go into 2020. And so, yeah, I just thought telling my story, being authentic and raw was really important and connecting it to what we all need to do next year because if we do not get out and vote and we have four more years of this. What does that look like? Because I, I don't think we're going to get out to vote. I just... I'm, I don't feel uh, it. I, I, you can feel the thing in the air. You don't feel the, the excitement. I don't yeah. feel it. I don't feel it. I'm like, this dude's going to win again because you know the Senate's not going to convict him. You already know. So, yeah, he'll be impeached. No conviction. They'll use that campaign ads already starting. Um, they're really energized. I feel their energy. You yeah. know, I got people talking about civil war. Did, yeah. did you see yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. on TV when and talked about that. That's some. That's some real stuff. That's yeah. dangerous. We got more guns. Is that what he said? Mm-hmm. We got more guns. We're gonna play the so, clip later. But yeah. I was like, I I just had this conversation with um, Ellie Mastal, and oh, I, I said, yeah, he's he's different. <laughs> he's <and> wonderful. <laughs> but I said on these airwaves that you know uh, we we had that s- similar conversation, and I said, people who are out there looking for that, you don't want that. Trust me, yeah. you know, and then for him to say, we have more guns, we would win. And I'm like, wow, you're contemplating it, which means their conversations are being had. He's Lots dangerous. Of them. He's, yes. If you don't know by now, the man is incredibly dangerous. Even if he loses and we win, I'm I'm worried. Yeah. What, yeah. what could potentially happen because he's a desperate man and desperate people do desperate things. But a desperate narcissist. A desperate he's desperate narcissist. for the attention. It's yeah. not like so yeah. he gets his feelings hurt over yeah. in London and yeah. England with the NATO summit. And takes his toys and goes and, home. And leaves yeah. Yeah. in a huff. He, he and, cancels the press conference. But the, what I mean by desperate is you got to remember if he doesn't get reelected, he can go to jail. 
Yeah. That's oh. the desperation. Oh. Yes, there's the ego. You're right. The right. ego and the narcissism and all of that. You're absolutely right. But he don't want to go to jail. SDNY so the presidency to is, is protecting him it's, from. Oh, yeah. If absolutely. he wasn't president, he probably he would be, be in jail. He would right be indicted at, very, be indi- the very at least, least indicted, indicted by you're now. You're right, Drew. He would. Yeah. And that's what he's like. He, the one thing he knows is he don't want to go to jail. Yeah. And so when you have that type of desperation, why do you think he called Ukraine the president of Ukraine? He called him because he's desperate. He knows he he doesn't want to lose. And and China just for insurance. And China just for insurance. Absolutely. He he knows what's at stake if he doesn't win. So why aren't more people or cheat to win? Right. <laughs> cheat <and> win. <laughs> I mean, for me, even with Hillary, I was like, this is very simple. It's about the Supreme Court. You know, let's just distill it down to one little issue: the Supreme Court. Yeah. Let's yeah. just do that. Why can't people just do that? Why are we in this space where we don't see the big picture? I love that you brought up the Supreme Court. Here's the thing. The other side, they're just better at it. They've been training their people for decades upon decades about the Supreme Court. And what is the one issue that they said, this is why the Supreme Court is so important? Abortion. Yeah. Right? So they got and one thing. They got one thing. And they and they almost train their people, They, they you know, to Call to and response. They Call know. Call and response, yeah. right? It's almost the Pavlov, right? It's like the Supreme Court, they understood. They We didn't do that. On our side, we yeah. didn't do that. It wasn't until Kavanaugh, and it was too late, Yeah, where people were like, oh, no, you know, everything we've worked for for the past 20 years is going to be gone, and it was too late. They are just voter suppression. They've been working on that for 10 years, more than 10 years, to suppress our vote. Who does that hurt? It hurts brown people, black people, and poor people. The other side has been working on cheating for a long time. The moment, especially with voter suppression, the moment Barack Obama got elected, they were like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Yeah, like we're never going to let this happen again. We're never going to let this happen again. They are zeroed in and on focus. And the thing about, especially voter suppression, that makes me so upset is Democrats not doing anything. If If we win next year, it'll be in spite of voter suppression, not because we fixed it. And that's going to be another issue that we have to deal with. Interference, right? Foreign interference, voter suppression, people not inspired and getting out to vote. Like those are real things that we have to deal with. And um, and that is that's scary. Let's take one call. Mark in Ohio, you're on the Karen Hunter Show. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. Good to talk to everybody. Uh, listen, I talked to your screener about um, uh, the impeachment, but I, and I, that was just the context for it. I think a larger point where I kind of take issue with in, with a conversation recently. I'm not any stretch of the imagination to identify myself as a Trump supporter or anything like that. But, um, you know, when we were speaking earlier of Candace Owens and, and so many other individuals who may be of color who tend to decide how our politics that uh, goes drift a little bit more to the right, um, you know, I, I think, I think, we, I think it, it, the a nemesis that we should fight against is um, ideological uniformity. I think I, I appreciate, even when I don't agree, I appreciate different perspectives. I appreciate different approaches. And I can, Mark, you know, and Mark, I, Mark, I, Mark, 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 Mark. How long have you been listening to this show? Um, how long? You mean yeah. today or just, no, in just in general? I mean, I mean, I mean a, a couple months. Okay. I'm a registered Republican. 
Fair enough. Okay. Okay. So, and I and I don't preach homogeny or or for for us to to walk in lockstep with anything. Uh, but what when I talk about Candace Owen, I'm not talking about somebody that's ideologically even in the Trump camp because she's somebody that actually was uh, she. I think she sued for racism, but now she's going on and saying there's no such thing as racism. So I'm talking about somebody that's dishonestly leading people down a path of destruction for an agenda that has nothing to do with enlightening people. We're here about truth. All right, and and Trump is a Democrat, has always been a Democrat, to the point that his children couldn't vote for him in New York because they're registered Democrats, and it's a closed primary state. They could not, they didn't think their father was going to win. They didn't even change their party affiliation. So this is not about political ideology as much as it is about the soul of, of this country. Mm-hmm. So either you care about the future of this country. I don't give a damn about parties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I encourage a lot of us to register as Republican just so that we can have a voice in places where we don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. So it's not about that. You can take exception, but what you should take exception of are people hijacking this country's democracy. That should be a problem for you. Well, I, I mean, I think that's, I, I, of course I take exception to that. I don't think that's a fair characterization of what I was trying to say. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be concerned about hijacking or things such as, such, such as that. But I do uh, take exception to when we are willing to lower the bar to achieve a... Um, uh, a political win or an ideological win. Who's I'm not talking that? about party. Who's all right? doing that? I, you're, you're talking in a very ethereal. You know, you're you're out there with lower the, the, wood bar. Yeah, what what bar is the being bar lowered? Is so low could, right yeah. now. And what ideological? Well, I could, I could be specific. I could be specific. Yeah. I'm t- and and this is what I was talking about with the screener. I said that uh, specifically. I think these impeachment hearings uh, lowers the bar for what. Uh, what we should be committing ourselves to try to do, because I think people don't want Trump in office. They want it. They want to score a, pol- a political win. No, that's not. They want to re- <laughs> to protect democracy. Right. They want to protect democracy from our elections being um, being subverted by foreign powers. Yeah. They want to protect the the republic by having by taking away a person who has proven that they are willing yeah. to lie, that they are willing to cheat, and that they are willing to do all of these things not for not for the sake of democracy, not for this United States, but for their own personal, financial, and political gain. That's exactly right. Look, you had the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States, call the Ukraine president and say, I need you to interfere in our free and fair elections, which is the cornerstone of our democracy. This is what the commander in chief, the president of the United States did. And he said, and when the when the Ukraine president said, oh, I don't know about this, he he bribed him. He held funds that was already given to Ukraine by Congress, earmarked by Congress. And it was supposed they're in war. Ukraine is in war. They're trying to protect themselves from Putin. And this is what this president did. And it's all for his political gain. The founders of this country put in impeachment for this very purpose. It is in the Constitution. But you're hearing the language. And Mark, Mark, thank you for your call, by the way. Mark in Ohio, the this is lowering the bar. Yeah. Yeah. This is not what is impeachable. We heard uh, one of the the experts yesterday said this is not an impeachable offense and we're lowering the bar. Then what is? If If this this isn't. Yeah, then what is? (laughs) Then what is? is? I mean, I, I, it's just mind blowing. It's just mind blowing how it's. It feels very cultish. What's going on right now? And with, cut and with, paste. Yeah. They have you. Spo- you touched on it. Mm. They know what to say, and they, they make it really simple. Lowering the bar. I've heard that, so yeah. I'm like, my ear tweaked yeah. up. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is language. They know what to say. Boom. 
we need to know what to say. They, yeah. yeah. Kareen. We need to know what to say. on the same page. And they also have uh have an entire network that helps them out. Yeah. But they don't just have one. If you look at the at, if you look at James Rosen who asked the question to Nancy Pelosi today, yeah. he's from Sinclair Broadcast. Yeah, and he said you hate you, you hate, hate Trump. Trump. Yep. Right? No one said it. he said you hate him. And Sinclair is on the news every single night. Local, all local, local news. Local news. So that's the rural market. That, that's what they're doing. It's misinformation. It's yeah. that misinformation campaign that they have. And it's it's wild. I mean, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, you do. Republicans went from, hey, Gorbachev, tear down this wall, to, hey, KGB, we're going to take all this misinformation and we're going to spread it. And it just... I and we'll defend you to the we'll end. And we'll defend you to the end. And um, it's it's a dangerous times that we're in. We have to make sure we protect our democracy. This is what this is about. It's protecting our democracy. Get this book, y'all. Get this book. Moving forward, a story of hope, hard work, and the promise of America. We're going to suss some of this out. Thank you for giving Thank us extra you time. So much. Thank you for sharing your the greatest book show as well. in the galaxy. Hottest. I the try. Hottest, I try to say it's hot because that's something hot. that you know. You don't you know what that you is. You can't mess yeah, with that. That's you hot. Can't touch it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Karine Jean Pierre. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. I Come will. back. I will. Come back. I'll be back.